Hello and welcome to Jenny and Paul Sell Out, episode number 16. This is the podcast where culture matters and selling out doesn't. I'm Paul Reismandel, one half of your sellout team. My co-host, Jenny Benevento, will be here in just a momento. On this episode, specialness. Do you know some special little snowflakes? Some precious special flowers? Ever feel like you're surrounded by them? Sometimes our guest does. She's Eugenia Williamson, a writer, book reviewer, and contributing editor to The Baffler. So come on along. We promise it's no open mic storytelling night. Hello and uh, Happy New Year, Jenny. Happy New Year, Paul. And we want to say hello and Happy New Year to our guest, Jeannie. Hi, Happy New Year. Our, our guest you, is Eugenia Williamson. Uh, she is a contributing editor of The Baffler and also a uh, book writer for the Boston Globe and a free, freelance writer in general. Um, she currently resides in Boston. Um, Somerville. Somerville. Somerville, I'm sorry. In the Boston area. Does <laughs> that count? Better. Yes, you want to clarify. That's That shows that you live in the area, Boston area. Um, but, you know, we have talented friends, so we decided, you know, let's get some of them on, on our podcast. That's what we do. Well, absolutely. Yeah. We don't want to just have the same the same 10 comedians who are on every other podcast. <laughs> what what's the point of having talented friends if you can't exploit it? I feel like. And I and recently I was at a party over the holiday and I was talking to someone from Boston and uh they were talking about the excellent reviews in the Boston Globe and I said, "Oh, you know, my friend writes there." And, she, and and about the good things in the Boston Phoenix and I said, "A friend of mine wrote wrote for them." And he said, "Is it Eugenia Williamson?" And I said, "Yes, <laughs> yes it is." I don't so that was like the best experience of having a, a semi-famous friend that I've had. Uh, hardly. <laughs> <laughs> well, apparently people bring you up at parties. I'm not the person who brought you up. Yay. <laughs> um, but uh, have you, you have not contracted the death grip uh, that no. everyone here in Chicago seems to have. No, and in Boston too. Oh, really? I somehow I am spared. So Good for you. Yeah, it's it's nationwide, but um, everybody around me, including you, fell. Yeah. But yeah. but I I was fine. So yeah, I'm just getting out of the grip myself now. Oh no! Yeah, it's uh, you too, huh? It was like what? It's been like nine days. Yeah, it's a really it's, long it's time. Insane! I've not had a cold like this in a long time. Yeah, it's I I feel like everyone's had it for like two weeks. Is it the norovirus? <laughs> I don't know what it is. I'm not sure. I got a flu shot. So I don't. I don't think it was the flu. Like the flu doesn't seem to be like this. It no, you like get a cold. the you get a fever with the flu. I definitely had a fever. Oh, I did not. I one hundred percent had a fever. Hmm. I don't know. And it was not for more cowbell. It was a genuine fever. <laughs> 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 yeah. I wish I had. See, so you need a sound effects panel so you could have a cowbell, but. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what we well, yeah, maybe in, in the editing. When we do when we do the real morning show. Yeah, our the morning real, zoo show. The morning zoo, exactly. Well, we're actually just doing this po- podcast, hopefully, so that we could get uh, hired for a morning zoo, right? I mean, yeah, because that's, that's the height of radio. Well, right and there. that's totally like, I mean, we have not talked about that, but that's that's clearly our goal, right? <laughs> Indeed. I'll call up the, uh, do you know the folks at Radio uh, BDC, Jeannie? Yes, uh-huh. <laughs> we'll call them up. I, well, I just recently <laughs> I just recently talked to a, the program director and music director because I I wrote a piece for Radio World about them. Uh-huh, uh-huh. But oh, I, wow. I feel like, you know, uh with the car talk guys off the air. Mhm. 
they you know i some <laughs> maybe maybe we need we need to be their morning zoo it's so like the morning and so like public radio morning we could zoo. be the npr morning zoo pretty easily oh, yeah. i feel like that's <laughs> sort of that should be actually what our tagline it's Chicago Public Radio is virtually doing a morning zoo these days. True. I've been on the Vocalo morning zoo, which is sort of, it doesn't have very many sound effects, but it does, it is morning zoo-esque. Yeah, that's the uh, Chicago Public Radio second signal that they're right. trying to target to the youth and and sort of more, uh, less white audience. Yes. Yeah. So <laughs> so they got me on because I'm definitely <laughs> that good. You're, you're like old. less white. Like, Let's go with Jenny. The good, the good. Well, you know, I mean, at another time, you know, being Italian German uh, would not have given you all the privileges of a white person it's in this true. country. It's true. Or in the city. So, yeah. Or in the city for that matter. Yeah. That's so right. I'm, I'm close to not white. For them. <laughs> that's not for Chicago. <laughs> yeah. For NPR. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's good. I'm glad we all <clears throat> have our health with us and have uh coming yeah. back from the uh from the holidays alive. Yeah, if you're listening on headphones, there might be some coughing. I'm gonna apologize right away. Well, yeah, we need to get a cough buttons. You can tell we I do. don't have a real studio because we don't have the cough button here yet. You just have to turn your head. I I I, I always do. <laughs> and, and so and Jeannie, did I understand that you were haunting the halls of MLA, the Modern Language Association? That is that is correct. That's what I was doing this weekend. It was uh, it was very uh, depressing. I'm working on a story about the uh, horrible uh, humanities uh, tenure track job market right now. So uh, that's that's all I did this weekend. And um, <laughs> there were eight thousand academics um, in Boston, and it was a party. Did you enjoy bragging of- to them how? You have a career in the bustling world of book review, pu- <laughs> review uh, publishing. I felt it. I did. I did uh, use it as sort of my uh, not trump card necessarily, but you know, when people were sort of disparaging uh, their profession, I said, "Well, it can't be any worse than the journalism market right now." So I, they didn't. Um, they didn't think I was, you know, coming to them from some sort of like <laughs> enviable position. You're not in plastics, and- or. No, exactly. With my job at Microsoft, you know, like, I don't know. It was very, um, yeah, I felt I, I, I am struck by the similarities between um, these terrible markets. And we have, a, we have a terrible economy, everybody, and so, which should come as, as news to no one. So that was fun to think about for, for three days when, when I was laid off a few months ago. But, you know, so. Yeah, so- we have a lot of... Uh- a lot of frustrated uh, PhDs, I think, in our audience. Some, some who oh, are in, right? in the academy, and some who are <laughs> not. Yes. Yeah, which is shocking because I think on our last episode we we pointed out that we are not very very educated relative to frustrated PhDs. So yeah, well, I mean, I bailed on two PhD programs. So oh, did you? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Wow. One, one in linguistics, one in uh, communication. Uh huh. Uh huh. Wow. Well, you wouldn't have a job, so uh, that's probably (laughs) good idea. Exactly. (laughs) Did you see? I I was reading in the Chronicle uh, of Higher Uh Ed this morning about uh, Michael Berube gave, I think, Mm -hmm. got a standing ovation for calling out during a keynote address. Uh, He's a writer and academic. Used to be at U of I. I forget where Mm -hmm. he is now. Um, And apparently, he he gave an address, basically taking on straight on the fact that you know. PhDs are graduating into being, you know, itinerant workers, basically, being yes. migrant workers of academia. Were you there for that? 
Yes, I was. Uh huh. And and how was how was the energy in that room? Oh, it was pretty good, but you know, it's sort of an energy born of desperation. And then afterwards, they had this really terrible reception. I mean, the reception itself wasn't terrible. They just had a terrible band, and it just sort of, you know, uh, it, it it was uh, weird. Um, and I think that this year, I've heard from a lot of people that it's like a a turning point in MLA because they're finally facing up to the face uh, fact, uh, especially under Brube's leadership, that like. Uh, people likely can't find jobs once they graduate that and hasn't before been, they was that hasn't been open knowledge for a long time yeah it, it has but it hasn't been to my under, my preliminary understanding it has not yet been acknowledged by the MLA and sort of the powers that be uh-huh. uh, until now and that now it's like a direct issue and they're encouraging people to seek jobs outside of the academy so <laughs> I don't know. Before that would be construed as an admission of defeat, and now it uh, isn't. So interesting. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, Do they of, have specific but... tracks they suggest for people with a PhD um, in like English? Um, well, well, the the one panel I attended had suggested that people go into journalism or <laughs> publishing, and I was like, no, <laughs> yeah, that's not much. <laughs> don't <better>. don't do that. <laughs> huh. So. Huh, yeah, yeah, it was a downer. I, I don't have too much levity. Maybe about. they they should suggest a uh, fan fiction writing that you could put <laughs> on, you know, on Amazon for e publishing. E publishing, yeah, that's good. I Those think that's a good idea. <laughs> they could do a lot of Kindle singles. Those seem to do pretty well, <laughs> right? Like, uh, maybe uh, True Blood, like that, you know, because because <laughs> Fifty Shades of Grey is so popular. They could do do a um, mashup. Yeah, but other other fan fiction uh, for other shows. I think that would be good. And all those people are watching those shows anyway. Come on, let's yeah. let's be honest. They also make some oh, yeah. of it. I mean, the thing is, if they if they want to get into journalism, if they can if they can write for like uh, say like solder and fittings monthly, right? <laughs> oh, I'm a, I'm a staff writer there. So. Yeah, I mean those jobs. You know, they're begging people to write there. Um, <laughs> Because the guys who know a lot about solder in fittings, they're too busy soldering fittings to uh, <laughs> to write. Or like uh, getting getting science um, grants. They they would love some people who could write. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, those people love writers. Yeah. <laughs> people who can who can get them NSF grants. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Yeah. Here we yeah, are. There's we- a whole there's a whole world out there. People who can read. That's great. <laughs> yeah. Right. Literacy. <laughs> It's really good for jobs. This is part yeah. of our public service. Uh, you know, not only not only we help you get your shit together and uh, and and say that culture is good. Uh, we're we're now helping people who can read get jobs. Yeah, if you want to send us an email about like your your PhD program and specialty <laughs> and your resume, we can maybe figure out what job you should have. We'll do. Like oh, that a, would be a really good advice column. I think that's our advice column. That, yeah, that's great. Yeah. Get, become an adult that's what it's called <laughs> <laughs> sell out with us yeah sell out with us. forget about the life of the mind yeah exactly <laughs> watch tele- tv all evening i have been playing i've not even been watching television i have been playing hotline miami for two days what I'm like this sort of hotline miami the pc uh two-dimensional shooter game <laughs> i'm familiar with it 
Oh, it's it's the whole the game is where you like it, it's styled like an 80s video game, you know, mm-hmm. and it's one of those top down views and you just kill people and you that's the only thing you do. It's really fun. <laughs> it's, it's not even it's not even a first person shooter. Did it's you, like a it's something it's like a sub first person. Did shooter. you talk to a lot of people at MLA about it? No, <laughs> mm, that's unfortunate. But since, since I attended MLA, that is all that I've had the strength and uh, will to do. Um, <laughs> well, so, yeah, we didn't want we live. didn't we didn't want to get you uh, to talk only about MLA because we we when we talked to you about coming on the show, there was something specifically you really wanted to talk about. Oh yeah, I would love to explore if you guys would like to talk about it with me. The the topic of specialness, specialness. So explain to us uh, what what you mean by specialness. Or what, what made you excited to talk yeah. about it. Well, I so it, it's a really weird... Okay, so what happened was um, about a month ago, I was reporting on this story about um, storytellers. Do you guys know what those people are? Like the moth and all that stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. People who get up in front of a room full of strangers and tell a five to six minute anecdote about their lives. And other people who listen to them. And uh, it's this really weird, I feel, phenomenon. I mean, I think it's weird. It's definitely a phenomenon. But um, I just was, I I, I couldn't figure out, I was sort of like uh, trying to think of a word to use to describe it. Because some people make a little money out of it. And it sort of goes beyond a hobby. So I was put on Facebook, like, what's what's something that's not quite a job, but more than a hobby? And this little Facebook query sort of turned into all these funny, you know, responses that people, uh, my friends put on there. Somebody said a band. Somebody else said Etsy. You know? A podcast. A podcast. <laughs> Well, and it's like, you know, everybody has, I think it's sort of endemic in our generation to sort of um, have these pursuits that are, you know, sort of not quite jobs and not quite art, you know, but aren't also transcend hobbies. And they're like, I think, and I could be wrong, like more public necessarily than um, somebody's embroidery or whatever uh, might've been before. And I'm just like, I think it's the weirdest, it's the weirdest phenomenon. And and I, I just want to know what people think about it. So how, how do you classify more than a hobby? Um, That's a good question. I don't know. How, like how it's do you... more important to them than a hobby. Maybe, or more like I imagine hobbying as something like, you know, doing a craft and then nobody sees your craft kind of thing. Right. Yeah. Not no? putting it on your blog, not putting it on your blog, not publishing it, not selling it, uh-huh. not going up in front of 50 people and talking about it, you know? So like, like it, they, they require other people to be involved in there. Yeah. Maybe, I mean, maybe it is a hobby, but maybe it's like a hobby plus. Or well, it requires, it requires some sort of um, involvement of other people or approval or, no, I agree with you. The fact that like you have to go see people's bands and you have to go. I mean, sometimes you want to go see them and sometimes right. you just have to go because, you know, they're your friends. Right. I well, know- I mean, so, so I'll problematize it because that's usually sure. my job here. Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I start thinking immediately, you know, I, I think, you know, obviously part of it is that it's a unique situation in, in from an historical standpoint that we would have a medium that would pre- 
provide us the opportunity to contact so many people so easily, right? Uh, 25 mm-hmm. years ago, that just simply wasn't wasn't there. So, but what, what would you have said about somebody who was uh, publishing a zine? Say this was 1991. Uh, mm. or, or, you know, I mean, or people who had bands, a lot of times would go and record a demo or press a seven inch or something Sell like that. Sell you their tape. Right. Or chat books. People would, you know, self-publish, <laughs> self-publish their, uh, their poetry. And, uh, you know, I mean, and whereas, you know, for a lot of other hobbies, you know, I think people did seek out other people, but the means to do so was limited. So you had to go find other people who you might be able to sit around and do uh, cross point with or be able to play poker. Cross with. point. Cross point. Yeah. That's not what that's called. What is it called? Needle cross point stitch? or cross stitch. Oh, well, you know. <laughs> cross point sounds like some... I invented my new thing, man. Cross point is like, uh, I think that was like a Charlie Rose TV show where he <laughs> <laughs> interviews you sternly. <laughs> with, 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 with cross points. Charlie, with with knitting Charlie needles. Rose, it was Charlie Rose and James Lipton co-hosting. Yeah, exactly. Right. Cross point. Yeah. Inside they the interview each studio. other. They interview each other. It's very... But, you know, I mean, people would get together, but it was difficult to get together with more than a room full of people, you know, or find that room full of people. Uh, but I, I, maybe if, if I can kind of pull a tendril that I see hanging off of your argument here, because um, you, you sort of mentioned... I, I, that, I wouldn't call it an argument. <laughs> well, see, but, but you're mentioning the whole storytelling thing, right? And so yeah, uh-huh, what I kind uh-huh. of feel, and it is sort of, I think, something that, that Jenny has mentioned to me before. Well, I don't know if it was on the podcast or not. That because it, it, I hear the specialness and I go right. The sort of idea that everybody's a special flower and has some unique little story to tell, uh, mm-hmm. you know. And there's one side of that, you know. There's obviously the sense, you know, this notion of empowerment, but there's also a moment in which it starts to get pretty precious. <laughs> well, <laughs> and self-involved. And, and self-involved. Okay, what is that? Perhaps. What is that moment? Because I think I, I think I like the idea that everybody has something to offer the world. You know. Sort of intrinsically, mm-hmm. but maybe not. I can't tell, and well, I want to know the moment. And it I turns. agree. I agree that, like, I mean, I was talking to a friend about this. the The idea that there are people he like he was like, wow, there are people who just like have a job that they're not interested in, and then just go home and watch TV and don't do anything. He's like, that doesn't even occur to me that that's like an option because, like, I get. Um, I mean, I think a lot of these hobbies are things that if people could do them for money, they totally would. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. they got, you know there's not really a possibility or maybe they're trying to get that possibility running by you know having their band and releasing their band or maybe camp. they're not good no yeah no they could be not good but whether <laughs> whether or not they're good i think like it might be a possibility that they're interested in mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, well, I, I think i'm trying now i'm thinking about like this what did people do in like the 70s did they did they go home crack a beer open and watch baseball or did they like they made computers in their garage yeah, <laughs> or do they make computers in their garage? Yeah. Or do they have like consciousness raising sessions? I mean, like what? <laughs> I'm reading a book fa- about Jamestown, so that would be yes. The answer to that is yes. They did a lot of oh, drugs. What? what book is that? I want to read a book. Um, about it's Jamestown. an interview book. I'll, I'll I'll send it to you. I'll put it on the on the, on the show, show notes. notes. Well, I think that, oh, excellent. I mean, I think people did things, but often it was more like they went and played tennis, you know, or mm-hmm. they they did woodworking in their garage. You know, they mm-hmm. built stuff. You know, I mean, well, I think a to... lot of hobbies, I mean, people still did them, but they were probably in a lot of ways, not necessarily solitary, but very few others were exposed to them. Well, I don't know if you look at like magazine, like Popular Mechanics seems like mm-hmm. something that did have a crowd around it. I mean, that even now we're trying to get back with things like maker stuff and DIY stuff. Right. So, I mean, I think a lot of the stuff currently is is really 
trying to get back to that. Or you had a ham radio set. Right. Or and I and Jimmy <laughs> did write an article about how like punk rock guys are now becoming masons i think that's a similar thing i think that's a similar thing like going back to that time like where it's like buddies hung out Mm -hmm. you know i have a thing that defines me that isn't my job but you said there was a moment where it sort of crosses over and what how do you well yeah i mean just it's just from what you're i mean even sort of uh, approaching it as specialness right sort of says that that we we go from a place from that notion that sort of egalitarian notion everyone has something to share to the, the Palinikian notion I, that that's I mean a, a major thrust of Fight Club is uh, oh okay yes. you know, you're oh. not a special snowflake <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah I've never heard his name deployed in quite that Palinikian? way Palinikian I don't know how would you put it how would how, what would it be I have no idea Palinikist oh no it it totally works mm. but <laughs> sorry what so 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 uh, Professor well, Palinik said what you know the, <laughs> the whole point the whole thrust of both the book and movie of Fight Club is you know. You're not a special snowflake. Right. You've been right. lied to your whole life mm-hmm. that t- told you are a special snowflake, but you're not. And I think part of it, because there, there, there is this element beyond just I'm doing something which uh, is interest in a, interesting and a value, but that I am deserving of attention, not merely I'm doing something interesting. Because I, I, I see that. I mean, I, I get that that impression a lot from people's endeavors. Um Especially, I think, online, because, again, it allowed people to all of a sudden uh, impress it upon people who they didn't really know for the first time mm-hmm. of the I've got this blog. You need to look at it. I've got, you know, and, and it's it's pretty common in message boards and other online communities, say like on Flickr, if you okay. participate in any of the uh, in any of the sort of uh, groups, right, discussing things. Every now and then someone comes in and says, hey, I've got this new blog about photography. Oh. You guys all need to come look at it, right? And immediately everyone goes, no, we shut off. You. Right? And and, and Wait, that's a now, little bit, why oh, that, is that bad necessarily that they would do that? I don't even understand that. Because, because if everyone on that board did it, that's all it would be, right? Oh. I, I do belong to a listserv where that happens. Yeah, because the idea, you know, it, because it gets to the point where everybody is a special flower. Everyone has a special blog or website or whatever, and you all need to come look at it to the extent to which it drowns out all the other discussions going well, on. Well, and I wonder if that line is whether you think you're doing something and you're happy enough doing it by in and of itself or even like you know i have this blog and i'm sure you know my friends who i don't see a lot would like to read it Mm -hmm. maybe you know to catch up with what i'm doing and the difference between that and i have to be self-promotional and people i don't know need to see this and maybe eventually it will turn into like a huge thing right because there are so many there are a lot of examples of that happening Mm -hmm. where you know some guy puts his music online and then they become a really popular band Perhaps the yeah. formula we're coming up against is it's sort of uh, you have something to offer, plus you're really needy for attention for it. Yeah, <laughs> begging. I mean, in 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 this in this you know, in 2013 or whatever it is, Rin, is there anybody who's not needy for attention? I mean, isn't that just the culture? Couldn't you argue that? Well, I don't know. I mean. I guess th- there's needy and there's benefiting from, right? Um, and mm-hmm. I, I, I understand how that, that seems like a pretty thin line. But, um, you know, I mean, I, I guess no one makes some, makes art mostly. 
without or or something without some idea that someone else will enjoy it. Right? Henry Darger. That's about it. Right. Exactly. <laughs> you know, Jenny, that's exactly who I thought of when I was like, who t- <laughs> he's like the, the inverse of. Uh... <laughs> right. He's like the inverse of this. He's like, I want to make art in my bedroom and no one will see it. Yeah. And, yeah. and there are people who do that, but but I think they're few and far between. So, you know, I mean, like we make this podcast and we don't just record it and put it on each of our own phones and then forget about it right we do we share it. do it over and over again but we but i also i mean i personally don't think and you don't behave this way either that i am i let people know it's there but i don't go to like even my friends and say oh did you listen did you listen to episode no number i nine? would never do that did you well, listen to episode number nine how come you don't listen to it yet and i i do have a lot of friends that like you described any who are in a band or have a project and we have discussed this where it's like i really don't want to uh, beg people to do it because that makes me feel really uncomfortable. And if they don't want to listen, I don't care. Like, I don't care if my friends listen or not. Um, but mm-hmm. on the other hand, things like, you know, the most popular way of, of getting something out there to your friends is really Facebook. But now Facebook kind of hides things. So you sort of have <laughs> to like repeat it over and over again. And that makes me feel really uncomfortable. But then sometimes my friends will be like, I didn't even know you had this thing going on. Uh, you should talk about it more, but then that f- makes me feel really uncomfortable. So, I mean, I think there is that, like, also, how do you show, you know, get inf- get information to people about your project or thing if they are actually interested without being like, I'm so special. Look at me. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, but also, if I could just pedal uh, backpedal to something you said a second ago, you, you, you know, we're we're talking about, like, uh projects but i mean i doubt either of you would call a podcast like art you know what i mean and i think a lot of the commonalities between uh these things are that they're not quite the sort of you know lifelong discipline uh, i think that you would you know spend hours slaving over in a dark basement you know um and at the sacrifice of your happiness and well-being um in order to put something lasting into the world a lot of these things are pretty ephemeral and i count you know my actual job as like a very ephemeral thing so, so do you think do, do would the storytellers count what they do as art i don't i don't think so i hope not i mean it's <laughs> So when you think of specialness, Jeannie, because uh, it, yeah. it, it comes, I mean, I, I, it, it, the way I, I think you said it, it, at least it occurs to me that it, it comes with a little bit of uh, a, a little bit of a, a you're looking askance, you know, a bit, you know, that there's a little bit of criticism embedded in that. So when, when you when you say specialness, a little bit, a little bit. OK, so maybe but you can you can expand a bit on, on where on 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 a little bit more on why you, you wanted to talk about it or, or what, where maybe that little bit of criticism comes from. You know, I think it comes from uh, just everybody sort of being performative all the time, you know, if that makes any sense. Like, and I feel bad, um, you know, I think like Jenny, like, um, you know, I have a, I I do things as part of my job that are like sort of out in the public eye and I don't give a shit if anybody reads what I write, you know, friend wise, I, I wouldn't hold it against anybody. I don't really care, but it's like, it's sort of that maybe it has something to do with like. Um, where that criticism comes in is maybe has something to do with my own um, insecurity about having this weird job. I don't know, maybe. Or that guess, you feel like you don't want to do this. Is that part of the criticism? No, or? yeah, maybe. No, and I don't. I couldn't even tell you a person who 
like, you know, really annoys me that they're, you know, I, I think creativity is wonderful. It's just really, but maybe it's the idea that like, I guess the storyteller, I mean, like the storytellers really got on my nerves. I, I do have to say. Well, can I prefer, were... oh, go ahead. Oh no, that, that it just was very painful for me to sit there and listen to, and I hope none of them are listening. And I'm deeply sorry, <laughs> for all nice people. Not you, storyteller. Other storytellers. <laughs> but it was it was deeply, deeply painful for me to think that there were these people. I mean, they are perhaps the most extreme example of somebody who could stand up in front of a group of people and think that a vacation that they took, where nothing significant happened, could you know be interesting enough to hold the attention of a group of strangers and be worthwhile. I you know. I've literally given that lecture, so. You have? <laughs> well, my Precious Moments lecture is partially based on vacation. I mean, I th- that doesn't offend me because people were interested and I didn't think they would be. And oh, I was asked to give that, that lecture. But that's about a thing. Sure. But uh, no, you, I mean. And you were asked. I was asked. I was asked. asked. It wasn't my idea. It's about um, a thing. It's about a thing. This is not about a thing. This is literally people standing up and saying, one time I went to Costa Rica and I got lost in the jungle and then I found my way out of the jungle. I'm awesome. Bye. <laughs> you know, like. So I, I want to, there's an analog I've been thinking about um, on this subject because it's, it's something I've somewhat done and also seems similar to me is uh, the, the charity marathon or charity stair climbing or charity, whatever physical activity okay. triathlon. How is that the same? That's interesting. Well, because I feel like that's one of those. First of all, it's this premise like, look at me, I'm running a marathon and I didn't know how to a month ago. And in six months, they're going to train me to run this marathon. But I have to completely talk about it all the time to get money. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. So it's partially like, look at me, I'm running a marathon. But it's also like, now I'm begging my friends for money. And I think, I mean, <laughs> I, I think. There's, you know, there's Kickstarter analogs to that as well. Like the idea. Oh, yes. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Not every Kickstarter needs to exist. Right. (laughs) But now there's this pressure that like if your friends do a Kickstarter, even if you don't, you're not interested in the project, there's sort of some pressure Mm -hmm. in the same way. Like, oh, you should give up. (sighs) (laughs) Right. And there are really great Kickstarters out there. But right. I I, I think I do. I I see that. I see it fleshing out here, that idea that everything is special. And just because I got it together to to propose this project, not even pull it off, but propose this project, you need to support it. Which, I mean, I've been involved in in like community and college radio for 20 years. And I was on the programming side for a long time, making decisions about what gets on the air or or within a group making decisions about what gets on the air. And want to talk about special flowers are the people who come in and propose shows. You know, and every oh, year no. you hear the same stupid show proposals time and time and time because, again. Because, like, they only want a show with, like, really unlistenable, like... Oh, no. And more often it's like, well, I want to play the deep cuts of classic rock that you never hear on classic <laughs> rock radio. And, 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 all beef fart all the time. Right? No, no. It's never... No, if that... No, that, that would get on the exist? air. Oh, okay. No, and it's always like, no, man, like those obscure Zeppelin B-sides or, you know, <laughs> whatever. Your breakfast with the Beatles, if Yeah, you will. exactly. So you hear, you know, and you hear like every year, every quarter, you hear this stupid proposal and you are always in the, in the position of saying, well, yeah, you know, we really, the whole point of this station is to play things that aren't on the classic rock. Well, this isn't on the classic rock radio station. <laughs> well, yeah. And, and you have to basically tell people they're not special flowers that this idea that they just came up with that they think is, is absolutely brilliant and, and exactly what the world needs is just like the 12 other times you heard it 
the last 12 years and and they're crushed and of course and you know some people you know one out, one out of 10 says oh really and thinks about it and actually goes back to the woodshed and comes up with something else you know the other four get combative and defensive and 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 tell you you don't know what you're talking about and they're, they're going to go to some <laughs> other station and they're going to think it's brilliant and won't you be sorry and the other five just sort of whimper off and you never hear from them again right you know, and I and I'm sure you know book agents. Uh, anyone who's in the, in oh, the same way, I'm who sure. is in in a kind of a, a gatekeeper role. I would say breweries are right now the same thing. It's <laughs> like I don't know anything about brewing, but I once homebrewed something, and I'm going to open a brewery. And you're like, yeah, that's not is that work. right? Yeah, no, Does it's super really popular happen? right now. Yeah. Um, and, doesn't it cost a lot of money to open yes, a brewery? Yes, it costs a lot of money. And then they ask their friends for money and they get enough money to open a restaurant, which is like the most ridiculous thing to ever put your money into. Um, uh, but it's so popular right now that a lot of them have succeeded, you know, because it's just such a, a cool thing right now. Um, but I mean, and I guess on these things, it's like, you know, if my friend came to me and was like, I'm terrible at guitar, but I really love playing guitar in my house. I'd be like, that's awesome. Way to go. Like, <laughs> maybe, <laughs> that's, maybe that's it. Right. right? But- All the guys who would be sitting around in their basement in their man caves. Right. With a couple of friends like, you know, drinking beers going, you know, man, you're funny, man. You should be a stand up comedian. Uh, oh, the, man, uh, you you know, I, I, you always tell those great stories, man, you know, and it'd be, yeah, I should do that. And nothing ever happens. But now they do that. They, they do that because and someone has a storytelling that. night, right? Yeah. Every night at the bar. And not only did they do that, they're like, you should come to my thing. Like, cause <laughs> that's the thing where there it's like, Mwah. um, because you equals entitlement. Because Well, and, and also, <laughs> I mean, yeah. If 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 my friend was like, oh, I play guitar by myself in my house, I'd be like, that's great. But if he was like, I'm going to invest $100,000 into making a studio in my house, though I've only been playing the guitar for three weeks, that would be the point where you could be like, maybe you should slow down on that. I need you to, I would like you to, uh, you know, invest, uh, buy me a couple microphones, please. Yeah. Can you, can you chip in? Do you want to buy studio time? It doesn't exist yet. Do you want to buy studio time? <laughs> um, uh that would be a point where you used to be able to be like, hey, friend, this is maybe a bad idea. But like you can't do that with their they're not a hobby more, but not a job. Right. You can't be like, yeah, your band's kind of bad. <laughs> you know, I think so. I mean, I, and I think that there is there's there's that line that, that you that you pointed out there, Jeannie, the not quite a hobby, but not quite a job. Right. Because. I think that there there is this point at which someone is clearly taking it so seriously enough that they're really investing the time and the energy into it so that it can be more like a job, right? Mm-hmm. So that, that, that they're really saying, I'm going to make that investment. And by virtue of that, you'll see it in, invested. You'll see that investment in my, in my work. And now maybe it's something. It will become a job. Yeah. And maybe. And now, don't, don't you find it strange that this is happening during like the worst economic um, situation we've had in so long that people think that suddenly they can like amateurs can open a brewery. And make well, a there's, such a, there's such a precedence. Like there's so I mean, there's so many people who are like, I make a living on Etsy. And the real answer is like, no, my my significant no, other tr- has a job. Right. And I make like two dollars an hour on Etsy. But um. There's also this huge, I've been reading a lot of these books, there's this huge community where it's like, quit your job and just travel the world, like kind of the Tim Ferriss four-hour work week, that oh, style yeah. of like, just freelance, but like not really with a constructive business plan. 
just sell vitamins on the internet but like like, <laughs> like there is kind of this this and that's not just him i mean there's like a huge amount of like uh self-publishers who write blogs who are encouraging people to do this all the time right and and but on the other side i i actually think i mean it makes complete sense because when when because the the other side of this sort of a rotten economy has been the demonstration that employers are even less loyal than they used to be and right. anyone with That's a regular true. job is even less secure than they used to be so the idea that well i can perhaps count on myself more than i can count on an employer makes a lot of sense well and someone when someone makes like six figures doing youtube videos that are stupid mm-hmm. you think like well i can do stupid youtube videos right that's I mean, that's why I have a right. stupid YouTube video channel. Yeah, exactly. I <laughs> but I think there's also I mean, I do think the opportunity is real. The, the thing is, is that there is that line. It's it's the moment at which you are ready to sort of dive in and really do it versus dabbling versus, you know, I kind of do this thing and, you know, and it'll be, you know, and part and the specialness comes from, I think, the sort of like and it's and, and by virtue of me doing it, it's so good that it should be supported as opposed to I'm going to be so good that people will want to support it. Oh, hi. You've reached the halfway point of Jenny and Paul sellout number 16. This is Paul reminding you that we love it when you rate or comment our podcast on the iTunes store That makes us feel really special. If you have comments about the podcast, leave them on our website at selloutpodcast.com or drop us a line on the Facebook slash selloutpodcast or communicate the way we did in the 90s with email, selloutpodcast at gmail.com. Now let's get back to this very special episode. Do you think from your talks genie with these sorts of people uh <laughs> you know the more i think about it the more i realize i've had extensive talks with these sorts of people <laughs> do you think it's uh prolonging their existence in an actual career that is totally unfulfilling huh that i don't know i couldn't say because i wonder if that's i mean i think if you're again making that choice like like hey i have this shitty job that pays like that you know whatever but I get to, you know, it's nine to five and then I get to go do my hobby, whether that's playing guitar by myself in my basement or it's my band or it's my other Etsy project or whatever. That's fine. But I guess my feeling, I wonder if it's like, no, my band's going to take off even though I'm 42. You know what? I would think I would have an oodle, oodles of respect for somebody who goes to work at a job that they're meh about. They come home. They, you know, play their guitar, whatever, in their basement, and then um, they don't make anybody listen to their terrible guitar. Totally agreed. Yeah, I mean, I guess I'm trying to make a distinction between... And they they derive, like, super happiness out of that, and they're like, I'm fulfilled when I sit in my basement and play my guitar, and that'd be great. I feel like you are a great person. Right, but then there's the other scenario where it's like, I'm not making any decision. I'm in this shitty job just because I'm in a shitty job and I haven't figured out what I want to do. Um or how to make this situation better. So I'm going to bank on the fact that my Etsy shop's going to do really well. Right. Like that's weird too. Like, but I mean, 
I encounter that, but I think that the um, sample that I have encountered that in is kind of unfairly skewered toward that type of person. For instance, like as a, you know, somebody with their email address up on their website and, you know, my email address gets published after every book review I write. I get a lot of self-published writers who like have quit their jobs in marketing and suddenly wrote a thriller about the Boston public transportation system, which actually exists. And they sort of like devote their time to like, you know, they've published this book that they think is like the most spectacular book. And then they make it their single minded mission to get reviews in every outlet. And, you know, for years after this thing has come out and they're flogging it and flogging it. And I think in those instances, those people would like to like abandon the thing, you know, abandon their jobs. And a lot of the cases they have, you know, I don't know where they get all this money, but uh, yeah. So I guess the answer is yes, but I don't know how accurate my sample is here. With self-publishers, it is yes, yeah. apparently. Yeah. Yes. Well, I, I know people who have, uh, you know, basically quit their day jobs and, you know, went and start businesses, you know, and, and, and a lot of time, you know, what that means, though, um, means that you have to be good at not just the thing that you want your business to do. Yeah, but I mean, I don't think an Etsy shop, I mean, it, it could be a business, yeah, but I think a great be. majority of them are probably not businesses. Does, does anybody make a living from Etsy? No, sales? people do. People do. Yeah, people do. Really? Oh, yeah. okay. Oh, I, I mean, wasn't aware. Yeah, I mean, it's, I don't think it's the vast majority. No. But, but I mean, the same way people make a living from eBay, people make a living from blogging, people make a living from podcasting. I mean, it all really happens. But, it, you know, I've been actually studying a lot of this for a while now, for, for well over for a couple of years. You know, what what it seems like it takes, what what is that, that jump that you can start making money with something like a podcast or or a blog, or more commonly, a whole combination of these things, right? Mm-hmm. And, and and what it keeps coming around to is, yeah, you need to treat it like a job. Do you think this is like the new acting? Because I feel like that <laughs> used to be like, I'm a waiter, but I'm an yeah. actor. Like, uh... Well, except that acting was all about getting discovered. Very rarely was it about... You know what I mean? In a way, yeah, but that's exactly what, you know, being paid to blog, or being a YouTube sensation, or being... A band. I mean, it's well, all right, about but in a different discovered. way because with auditions, it's just you, you, you. It's a very, it's a very specific thing that you're auditioning for. Versus, you can you can ostensibly create your own your own audience, right? With with a, with a podcast or a blog or a book for that matter, or a zine or, or oh, something. I think it's easier to be successful, but I think mm-hmm. it's like in the new media situation than it is in acting. But I think it's sort of the same thing where it's like, yeah, I've spent. 15 years as a waiter but my real passion is acting oh, right sure and uh, you know i always spent 15 years as this crappy job but like my real passion is this thing that i require other people to well people have always been that way i think that there sure. was probably what has happened is because you can get the exposure th- via the internet that you couldn't people you know there were probably tons of people who would have told you well i do my crappy job but my real passion is woodworking Yes, but there's a, again, there's a difference between woodworking in your garage and requiring people to buy. But your how many of those guys are selling their stuff on Etsy now? I mean, I don't know, but I think I mean, a lot. Well, I mean, well, right? You know, I mean, because that that is a, it, it, I think part of it is just there's simply a change in that the, the communications potential of that one person. Is well, different. it's again, I mean, it's hooking your fulfillment on other people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which or, sucks. Or, or getting money. I mean, you know, I mean, right? But extent. it requires the other people to, mm-hmm. you know, other people have to like. Well, it, it always requires other people. No, because if you fulfill, if you're fulfilled by like playing guitar by yourself, oh, but and I mean the money part. 
Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I'm saying. Because your shitty job requires other people, too. Sure, sure, sure. <laughs> but I'm saying, like, you know, you're, you're not, if you're, if you're driving fulfillment out of the, the basement guitar playing, uh-huh. that doesn't require other people. But if you're, you're like, I have to be in a band that's famous to get fulfillment, mm-hmm. that requires a lot of other people. Right. Well, I mean, but those people, I mean, I think that the little special flowers who have needed that have always been around. Right. I think for a lot of people, I'm guessing, um, it was the gap between the ability to force themselves on other people and, their, and, the, and the energy it took to do that weeded out a lot of people. When it required that you actually, even if you wanted to say have a band, you had to still get the band together, get them to practice and hustle for gigs versus be able to sit in front of your uh, webcam in your basement like that was probably a factor that weeded out a lot sure. of people because they just didn't even have the energy or couldn't get their shit together to even like do oh, do anything more just, than that. This just is giving me painful flashbacks. One of these storytellers I talked to actually has a YouTube channel and he, he sits in front of his webcam with his acoustic guitar surrounded by candles and sings very sincerely while looking into the camera and his music is horrible. <laughs> and I'm like, you just have all the bad art. But is you he popular? Like, do people like that? No. <laughs> See, because I could feel, I feel like, okay, and this is, uh, you know, again, you, uh, subject, this, it, I brought this up not realizing that it relates to you, but it does relate to you. I mean, I think a lot of people would come at that, uh, or have that opinion about, say, Amanda Palmer, right? you know, or, or Mike Daisy. I mean, like, but both of those people have made a living off of doing exactly that. It's like, I'm telling a story about a time I went to China and bought some things. But they get but, good. I mean, yeah. part of it is they practice. Sure. I mean, and there is that that, that, that point at which you've, you've practiced and, you you know, it's I think comedians know this well, stand-up comedians, because, you know, sure, someone can stand up and open mic night and tell jokes. But it's the difference is the person who goes and woodshops the same jokes over and over again gauging audience response and gets it to a point at which they consistently kill as opposed to they have some funny jokes. But I would say the the argument against both of those people when people don't like both of those people it's it's the same argument like oh I'm going to listen to your story for an hour and a half like uh Oh my god, Jenny, not bringing up Amanda Palmer, you know, you realize that she embodies literally everything that we've said in this discussion. Including a Kickstarter and Oh yeah, she did the Kickstarter. But she's very successful. Yeah. People like but her. But she's very successful. But I, I hate her. But I think it's that exa- <laughs> example. Um I mean I think it's that successful example that is why people think this is like a thing that they could do. Interesting. But no, I, mean, I mean her whole yeah. Her whole success is like predicated on the notion that she is extremely special. Yeah, well, and I mean that's her whole appeal as like a famous person, you know, is that she, you know, look at me, look at me, here are my boobs, I have funny <laughs> eyebrows, you know, boobs that are very special. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, but on also like a, a sob story about how long she spent being a statue for. Oh, bar. Right? Yeah, like she yeah. was so she was like a street performer, and yeah. training on that. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But, but even... Go ahead. Oh, sorry. I have nothing to say about her. No, I feel you do. I mean, I think, like, so what... So that is a success, right? So, like... 
That is, is it, and it's just so weird. Like her whole celebrity is so based on like you know personal disclosure. She and you know Neil Gaiman like always write these creepy tweets about each other. It's like letting letting a you know letting other people into their special lives. Like even their personal lives are interesting. I mean, it's this weird you know melding of like you know persona and like what what's going on behind closed doors. It's a you super know, performative, it, intimate relationship. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's weird. And that's like, I mean, basically, I think that this like current culture is turning everybody into little Amanda Palmers in a way, which is like really horrifying. (laughs) So how do you like your thing and try and get your thing out there without being performative, I guess? That's I, I don't know. (laughs) That's a great <laughs> well, so maybe, you know, I'm always in search of definition. It's it's an unfortunate disease I have. Perhaps it's the aborted linguistics education. Um, <laughs> you should get a T-shirt that says aborted linguistics yeah, education. Yeah, it, I've got to lend structure and syntax to the whole deal. Um, yeah, in IPA. like In, in IPA, exactly. Um, but I... I, I what I, I think it occurs to me from, from you know, where we've been going is that the specialness thing seems to be about you know, one, it, it's, it's sort of, right. It's a thing that I want to do. And because I do it and I should be appreciated for it, it should be appreciated sort of prima facie, not, which yes. sort of presumes that I think, the, well, gathering my thoughts here, the, the line is really when you're making something, it's, you know, are you, it's really not about, about you so much as what are you sharing or what are you providing others, right? What so what right. are they what are they able to get out of it, right? So ostensibly, you know, if you like a band and you like their music, you're, you're really getting something out of it. It's not, you know, fr- from mm-hmm. my standpoint, if there's a band I like, it's not charity, right? It's not because mm-hmm. I think that that uh, you know Slayer needs my fifteen dollars. It's because <laughs> I really enjoy what they do, and I really I really want to bang my head to Slayer, right? And and. And maybe that's that missing piece. It's that, you know, that that the person making the thing is also trying to figure out what is it that they have to share that will be actually useful <laughs> to somebody else or, you know, or, or a value to somebody else besides the fact that they made it. You know, it's mm-hmm, sort of like, the, you mm-hmm. know, wh- what is the difference between what you're, you know, how is what you're doing different than the shitty ashtray you made in fifth, you know, in like third grade that you gave to your mom that, of course, was special because you made it, but would be special to nobody else. Mm, well, mm-hmm. and I mean, I think two things here. I think partially this is because like the main, main mode of communication for a lot of people um, from ages like 13 to 45 is one where you announce what you're doing. You know, it's Facebook, it's Twitter, um, which is all about like saying what what you're doing and it's hard to be a person on any of those things and not seem like you're performing and not like because you could just be like hey i'm at the bar with some friends and that could mean i mean foursquare is a great example so many people complain about why do i care where you're at when you know you could use it as like look at me i'm having so much fun i'm with all these cool people or you could use it as like hey i'm by myself at a bar i wish my friends would come visit Um, You know, so, I mean, I think it is hard to conduct any sort of online life now without seeming performative. But is the performative Mm. aspect the problem or is is the problem that somebody is presuming that somebody else must and should be interested simply because they've done it? So to me, that seems to be the line with the specialness. It's the 
here I wrote, I, I, you know, I wrote this song and I worked really, I worked really hard on it and I practiced and I practiced and I practiced and I, you know, it was more than just sort of sitting down and tossing it off. I put a lot of work into it because I think that by doing that kind of work, it's much more likely to be a better song. And then when told, someone gave me constructive feedback and told me they didn't really like the melody or they thought it was contrived in this way or, or and instead of getting mad and getting put out, I took their constructive feedback and I went and fixed the song, right? Because I'm trying to figure out how can I make a song that people will like, that they will enjoy, that way, you know, bring them a smile for a minute to be kind of cheesy versus this is my song and you should like it. I just wrote it. Oh, what? what you don't like it? You're just a though? hater. You're just a hater. But what about neither? Like, hey, I'm going to have this event. Like, I don't think you should necessarily like it. Like, I would never put out an event be, that I would be like, hey, you should come to my event because I think you'll really like it. Well, I mean, that's not, but, but I don't think that, that simply announcing something and putting it out tests the specialness. I think that there's that extra line of like, it's, it's not merely I'm putting it out there, but that I'm putting myself into a place, a spotlight, right? Because in a way, I mean, you're throwing out a tweet. I mean, your tweet is one of millions that happened in that minute. It's not much of a spotlight, but if you get up on stage at a storytelling thing in a bar, I mean, you're actually taking spotlight in that moment. Yeah, there's a literal spotlight involved in that. <laughs> right. But I mean, I think that there's that is am I am I, am I is, is that making any sense, Jeannie? That- I think I think I I think I actually I, I agree with that to a certain there's something else. I don't know. I, I, I agree with that. And I also I also wonder why. It's just endemic, though, you know, like why? What is what is going on here? Because are we all going? We are webcams we all going in our basement. <laughs> well, I mean, I do think it is that like the way you can. I mean, admittedly, almost everyone I know, the way I keep up with people who don't live in my town, especially is through things like Facebook and Twitter. And the way to communicate on those is this is what I'm doing right now for most mm-hmm. people or this is the thing I'm working on right now. But you have people on your, in your Facebook feed, right? You have yeah. some who you're like, okay, that's great. You know, you feel like they keep you up to date and whatever. Right. And, and you, I'm sure you have some where you go like, uh, Jesus Christ, yeah, there's a right, line, right? right. There, there's, there, line. there's a line right there where you feel like, no, you know, they they are they are they are begging for attention, well, and, as opposed to sharing, right? And I, I'm going to bring up a project that is neither a hobby nor a job that I think is on these things the most. Look at me, look at me, I'm so special. And it's your baby. Because <laughs> no one thinks their baby is just a baby. I mean, they think their baby is super fucking special, which, I mean, it is to them, and that's great. But, like, that is the thing that is, like, that is, like, Facebook napalm. Aren't there whole tumblers uh, dedicated oh. to the stop the baby uh, posts? Which, I mean, like, it's fine. Cause it, right, well, and yeah. there is this discussion back and forth between people who put up baby photos all the time. I mean, obviously, there's a reasonable amount. And again, there's a line. And it's a different line for everyone. Like, if you are my friend, I want to see photos of your baby because it is a major part of your life. Duh. But there comes a point where it's like, look, we're only basically friends. And that's maybe it exploits the the facade of um, Facebook. You're like, I don't need this many photos of your baby. Right. Or your cat or your dog. <laughs> right. And, and there's this argument back and forth between people who put, yeah, up a million photos of their dog and uh, people who don't. That's like, well, if you don't, you're not interested, then you're not really my friend. Like, you can stop being my friend. And it's like, sort of, except not. Like, <laughs> I'm friends with a lot of people. I'm not interested in everything about them, you know? I don't know, you know, no one wants to know what time you crap or what you ate for dinner, <laughs> usually. And a friend uh, who's on Twitter 
He's not on Facebook. And when, and and before getting on Twitter, a good year before getting on Twitter, he gave me a hard time and he said he was going to start a Twitter account and he would only tweet when he was pooping. <laughs> and, and I'm very disappointed that he did not follow through on that threat because I really would have enjoyed that one. Pooping. Yeah. You know, and maybe a little descriptive, but not, you know, not super descriptive. Got the runs. Yeah, right, right. Well, you would know that by the number. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. Poop it again. Poop it again. I had yeah. a friend who threatened to start a Twitter account of like just how horrible her life was and her, her various daily failures and how mundane everything was. I think and she could have gotten a book contract out of that. That's right. Yeah, I think it sounds like a good idea. Yeah, it's a really good idea. <laughs> but on the other side you know i mean i'm sort of uh you know I, i'm gonna be a little pollyannish here and say you know uh, so what people can be people want to be special i just can tune them out yeah but i i do agree uh that on genie's point where it's like why is this sort of an epidemic like why is this happening to everyone and what is that greater and it's more? all and, and it sort of transcends you know as i'm sitting here thinking it, it sort of transcends people i mean now it, it seems to like extend toward babies and pets which you know babies are sort of people they're half people but then, um, <laughs> sometimes <laughs> sometimes one third people Proto- depending sometimes on their side, side. <laughs> but and then you know it also has extended to like products like the way that we market products today like is so contingent on handcrafted, hand hewn, you know, butter, churn, artisanal butter, blah 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 blah. You know, um, I don't know if you guys saw that thing on Gawker from a few weeks ago, but it was like, uh, oh God, Campbell's, I think Campbell's soup started a line of soup, like ready pack soup I've for millennials. It. Yeah, and they like the 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 you know obviously it is like the ultimate mass produced food, but then it has the packaging has like uh you know it, it appears to have been sort of drawn by a, like Zoe Deschanel or something. Yeah, it's, it's like, like a hip with, drawn package with like you know little you know cute little Gen Y girls with their yeah. eyes really wide going yay. You That's know? gonna go the but... way of grunge cola. Well, and also. Uh... <laughs> If if, okay, you're, if okay, any soup company do. doesn't need yeah, to okay, like soda, I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah, if any soup company doesn't have to like art up their image, I would say it would be Campbell's. <laughs> <laughs> but if, if there weren't all these people doing this, then we, I mean, you know, what would, I mean, we wouldn't end up with the the you know the musicians who end up making making a go of it, right? Why is it regular goddamn soup good enough for you? <laughs> okay, like why can't you just get some have- fucking chicken noodle? It was good enough for Andy Warhol. (laughs) Just have your chicken noodle soup. Accept it. Why do we all have to? Well, and I think it's probably like a happiness issue, too, because like if only the most if only like the one in a million thing will make you happy, then Mm -hmm. and if that's like what culture is sort of telling you to do, then like no one's going to ever be happy again. But I mean, yeah. Well, I went to this store in Brooklyn and it was in. I don't even remember what part, you know, what's the difference. And I was walking around <laughs> and there was, it was something called like the Brooklyn Grocers or like so-and-so's Grocers. And like everything in the store was like $8 and up. And it was all like tiny jars of like Brooklyn made things Jam. such as condiments and, you know, mustard. And, and it just is so you know, all the little jars were cute and they had these little labels that somebody obviously like printed by hand and I wanted to like throw up and it was right next to this like adult, like, 
I don't remember, like whimsy, whimsy re-education hut or something. And it was like, you know, how to, how to learn how to play as an adult. They're like, how to, how to let her play. And it's like, Jesus, fuck people. Can we just, I don't know. I, I There's something really wrong with that. I, I don't know what it is. But eventually, but. That, I mean, that's just going to run up. I mean, that's going to run up against the market, right? I mean, uh, cold hard. Re- hut? Uh, all of it. Yeah. It's going to run up. I mean, because <laughs> exactly right. I mean, it's going to be exactly the same place uh, as the major label signing every band that ever stepped foot in Seattle in 1992 or 1994. Well, and that's already happened with the companies. Like, uh, I mean, I just saw an outrage infographic that was all about like Oddwalla is owned by Coca-Cola and, right. you know, some other thing is open owned by somebody Procter was Gamble. upset about that. Yeah, it was like a, it was like what they're keeping from you. Uh, and yeah. it was like all the natural, fake natural brands that are owned by right. like whoever. So all these artisanal things, I mean, so the guy, you know, the, the guys who figure out that they can't actually continue making a living, you know, making artisanal mustard in, in Brooklyn will quit doing it, right? Or, and and, and it'll be the washout. <laughs> yeah, except, except I think that they are making a living. Like, I think that's the thing Some that's of them disturbing are, but, but, and well, weird. I don't know if it's disturbing or weird, this, if it's good. Know, yeah, I don't know that it's just, I mean, it's not quite... But it's like, who is this asshole who thinks they can only make, you know, ma- mustard that comes in batches? That's what I want to know. And I want to punch that. <laughs> mustard cr- doesn't need batches, is what you're saying. But, but Jimmy, right, you know? you're, you're a fan of craft beer. You I know? am. So, I, I am. mean, you know, which is which is a craft phenomenon. No, I agree. You know, I mean, and I think it's ridiculous at the moment. I think it's... It's, it's getting ridiculous. It's ridi- no, I think it's been ridiculous for like several years. So with too many people getting into it who don't necessarily... And, and, and again, I think you're right because I taste a lot of really really mediocre to bad yeah. craft beer now where i feel like the difference between now and 20 years ago or even 10 years ago on craft beer was 10 years ago you had to really want to do it because right. you, because you really just weren't that sure that people were going to buy it and it was going to be that much harder to get credit and that much harder to kind of do this and now people are able to sort of uh, uh dally in it a little bit um well and it has it has there's these trends so for a while um you know what craft beer meant to people was extremely hoppy bitter beer and so then just all beers became extremely hoppy because that's what it was so in the same way like all beers became pilsner lagers in america like budweiser and and uh, miller um so i mean it's not it's not artisanal it's just like we're still following the same trend Mm -hmm. but what that happened to do is it affected the regular beer industry and now they make like you know, more than two kinds of beer. But there's a lot of, I've, uh, lately I've had a lot of shitty craft oh, beer no, sure, from sure. New, new breweries or relatively Yeah, new no, breweries. I mean, I'm sure there's a ton of shitty artisanal mustard at the, near the whimsy every day. And, 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 what, and they're going to go away. I mean, a lot of them are not. Except are end up they're also it. going to make perhaps French's mustard now has to make three new kinds of mustard. Right. So it is going to affect, I think it does affect those larger things. And then, you know, but I remember for a while there were like 19 kinds of ketchup and now I go back to the ketchup aisle, and we're back to one kind of ketchup. Right, that's true. <laughs> right, right. Uh, you know, it was the green. There was the there was chipotle. There was with jalapenos. It was a gorg- and, it was a, and now we're down to basically store brand Heinz, and yeah, maybe one organic brand. Like Hunt. all the like like <laughs> all, all the artisanal ketchups went away. I, I don't know what happened. All the flavored ketchups, you know, it, it, it reached some 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 sort of uh, so, critical mass. So do you think exploded. like in 15 years people are going to just go back to woodworking in their garage and they won't shut up about it? No, I think we're I think we've crossed a threshold. I don't think it's <laughs> a point of no, no return. I hope, 
you know, I, I, I saw, sorry if this is a little off topic, but like a, a friend posted a picture of his baby on Facebook today. Sorry, friend, I know you're not listening, but, um, <laughs> yeah. and he said something like, like he had put the baby in, I can't remember what they're called. Um, those scarves, those Afghan scarves that, uh, that, uh, Rachel Ray got fined for wearing a keffiyeh. The baby was wearing a keffiyeh and he said the hipsterization of baby has begun and I just got very depressed because I thought, how unimaginative do you think in 20 years when the baby is an adult, he's going to like, they're still going to be hipsters. And I think not. <laughs> right. It's if, like if the, the world has any hope. It's like y- your parents dressing you up as a beatnik or something. Right. I, yeah. Or, 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 yeah. Or, or, you know, wearing uh, flannel and, and trying to look all Kurt Cobain. Yeah. But I mean, I do. I think I think what is going to happen is that the the it's going to normalize a bit, right? The The fact that everybody has all this instant on and there's going to be even more communication all the time, uh, you know, you're still going to have the people who are going to be like, look at me, look at me, look at me. They're always going to exist. But I think that uh, it'll become less special, right? Because everyone's going to kind of gotten used to it and the norms are going to kind of work themselves out a little bit. Um, it, it will also, be we're going through like that. a transitional period yeah. right now. Well, I mean, but what about the other side of it? Like, I feel like there is this idea that it, you know, when you do sit down and watch an hour or two of TV, you're like, oh, I feel guilty because I'm not doing my project or like I'm, I don't have a hobby or, you know, like people ask you what your hobbies are. I mean, I don't feel this way, but I'm saying yeah, I actually don't know anyone who feels that way. Oh, I, oh my God. Facebook is full of posts who are like of people who are like. Uh, I watched six hours of TV today instead of doing my my work, which my work means not my job. Right. I mean, the fact that people call. I have a friend my, who talks like that, actually. It's right. Right. I mean, I, I think we all have friends. That, but I mean, the, the fact that people say I have work to do and they don't mean their job. Well, I do. I mean, I, I mean, I'll right, right, that. Right, I right, do. Right, I right. mean. I mean, so, you know, I'm not I, saying that's bad. I, can, I mean, when I'll say I, I work to do, I will mean like edit this podcast or right. I mean, I, I contribute to a blog. Of course, I also do freelance work outside of my day job, which is also work. Right, which right, right. That's I actually you get collect paid a for. check. Yeah. And but I collect saying, very tiny amounts of money for a blog. Right, but I'm saying, <laughs> saying the idea that like you now have to have a project. I see. That that if you don't have a project, that's that says something about you. Well, that's you. sort of that, that, that sort of, Facebook a, thing. A, a sort of fascistic regime of personal expression, mandatory personal expression. <laughs> right, like, oh, you consume regular media. Hmm. Oh, God, I, I hate that. You know, I have, I, I met this woman who moved to Boston from Los Angeles, and she said that she keeps meeting, she's a television writer, and she keeps meeting people who say, I don't have a television. <laughs> it's like, oh, God, screw it. And they have yeah. a laptop and they yeah, exactly. Netflix and Hulu. <laughs> you have a torrent. <laughs> What's a torrent, they'd say. <laughs> they have the peeb. Yeah, right. Well, so so any final words, Jeannie, on specialness? I, 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 I just hope that someday there, there comes a time when we don't need to be special anymore. <laughs> we can all just be sort of dun-colored and mediocre. I think that will be when we, when we uh, go to the retirement home. I don't right? know, because the millennial generation isn't sure. Yeah, they're pretty isn't, special. They're pretty special. Yeah, <laughs> but I mean, discussion. baby boomers are pretty special. Uh, I know. More special than Generation anyone. X. I mean, we're pretty unspecial by comparison. Yeah, so yeah, I mean, I, I think, I think uh, there was a brief period where we were getting less special. Yeah. Well, where it was we, like, no one is special. Maybe it's a re- maybe it's, it's, it's having been gone, having been gone, Having gone through your like teens and twenties, being like none of us are special, oh. uh, 
reality bites back. Right, exactly, exactly. And now we have to be special. Now we're all all special. We're so fucking special. That's <laughs> just what I thought. I'm like, I can't say that out loud. Yeah, but I mean, that was like ironic, right? And now, so there was this whole period where he's like, no one's special. You're never going to get a job. Just wear shitty clothing you got at the Goodwill. <laughs> now I'm special and I still won't get a fucking job. Yeah, exactly. For different reasons. All right. All right. Thing? <laughs> yes, yeah. Things, things we like. So uh, do you have a thing you like this week? Or is it that game, Jeannie? I, I think it could be Hotline Miami. That's so. definitely my thing of the week. It was and, so good. And so is it like you play it? Do you have to download it or is it a... Yeah, you could buy. Well, the so it's I I can't remember where it's some. I, I believe the, the designers are from the Netherlands. I think anyway. Yeah, they chose they Miami. Have, yes, they chose Miami. Well, it's it's a it's an irony thing, sort of. <laughs> it's like an ironic video. Game. I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. Do you think those anyway, guys have day jobs and this is their like hobby? Not <laughs> hobby? Well, as you'll know, this is a startup indie video game company that's done it, and the music that they. Uh, used for the game is all like um uh sort of psychedelic uh <laughs> indie rocks so you know i want them to set pretty... the game in bruges i think yeah. that would be yeah, so right. much more fun yeah but uh the guys who made it wanted people to be able to download it so it's you can torrent it very easily on the peeb <laughs> so the peeb by the way is the new term for uh the pirate bay it's yeah, like classier. the peeb it makes it sound classy. I thought the Pirate Bay was was down. It is down. Like, it has been down for the last couple of days. Yeah. Is yeah. that right? I it haven't has. been. Oh, no. It has. It's, it's a little disturbing. Oh, yeah. no. Where will I get things? I know. Now that we got a good name for it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Our name is. That's my thing. Sorry. You, you guys should talk about your thing. Um, I have a book uh, by a gentleman named Dave Hill, and it is called Tasteful Nudes and Other Misguided Attempts at Personal Growth and Validation. Uh, Dave Hill is a is a uh, comedian, and he's a podcaster, and uh, he was in a uh, not quite even one hit wonder indie rock band in the nineties. What was their name? Uh, Sons of Elvis. Wow, and, I don't know who that was. Yeah. No, they, they had they like you know had a video that got into like one twenty minutes on MTV. You know, briefly popular. They toured, and that was the end of it. And he writes about it in his book. And uh, Dave Hill is somebody, my brother, uh, Kyle, who has been on the podcast, he turned me on to Dave Hill. He thought I'd like him. And Dave Hill has a very interesting man. Dr. Reese Mandel. Dr. Reese Mandel, yes. He's the one who, who could actually finish a PhD. Um, <laughs> Dave Hill is a very interesting manner because uh, I think actually uh, Ira Glass gives him a little blurb on the back. And, and I think it actually sums up quite well. Um, He's never seen a comedian quite like Dave, full of unjustified bravado, but also amazingly vulnerable. And that exactly sums him up. And not bravado like in a Dice Clay sort of way, but in a very sort of unassuming sort of way. And he, he, whenever he's speaking, whenever he does anything, he seems like he's kind of just got up and really speaking off the cuff as if he hasn't even really thought it through prior to the point that he opened his mouth. And yet he's actually pretty funny. Um, and his stories are all actually pretty good. He's a pretty good storyteller. Um, Ira Glass is responsible for this storytelling thing. That's I know. what you just made me realize. He is. Oh, but, that's you know, very true, yeah. But, Thanks, uh, Ira. I haven't finished the book yet, but he's got... Some... I want to bust you on that, because you <laughs> never have finished anything that you recommend. Oh, I will finish it. I'm just no, I know, but I think it's funny that you always recommend something that you haven't finished yet. Well, it's just a bunch of stories and stuff, so, uh -huh. you know... I'm it's... just busting you. Yeah, all right, I'm busted. But he's got like a chapter on manliness and the fact is he's not 
terrifically manly in the uh, conventional sense and on the uh on trying to lose his virginity and uh and things like that. He's still a virgin? How old is he? He's like forty. Is he still, no, 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 losing was... his virginity when he was a teenager, yeah. you know. Oh, okay. <laughs> I thought it was an ongoing project. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's my that's my side project. It's not a job. <laughs> it's a hobby. And his podcast is the Dave Hill Podcasting Incident. He tends to interview people, uh, some sometimes celebrities, sometimes not, usually from his apartment. He apparently has a little tiny apartment in Manhattan. And, it, you know, it's not uncommon that in the middle of the podcast, he'll get up and make tea and be just shouting from across the room. So he, everything he does sort of comes off as very casual and off the cuff. But he's actually pretty funny. So I can recommend uh, both the book and his podcast from Dave Hill. Mine is a very popular recommendation. Um, so if you read any like Fifty Shades of Grey, no, it is not Fifty Shades of Grey. I have not read that, <laughs> but I've read Twilight, and it was terrible. So I can't, I can't recommend Fifty Shades of Grey. Also, um, if I were going to read BDSM erotica, I would read one by like an established author, though I'm also not interested in that, just personally. But that's cool if that's your bag. Um, about, like BDSM by like Kurt Vonnegut. He's oh yeah, yeah. Erotica. I have to. Uh, yeah, when I'm reading erotica, it has to be by like someone above it. Anne Rice is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, it has to be, uh, you know, a Ray Bradbury. Uh, I don't know why only science fiction authors for some reason. I will only read a, a Heinlein. <laughs> Heinlein would write excellent BDSM, by the way. Erotica, I think, because of his fascist tendencies. Toni Morrison. Yeah. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Um, sidetrack. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, it's, if you read any like top 10 lists for the, over the year, it's probably on it. It's uh ready player one by Ernest Klein. Oh, is that good? I've been meaning it's to amazing. read that forever. It's, uh, okay. So first of all, if you're listening to this podcast, you will probably love this book. So, um, it's basically a, um, novel about in set in the nearish future. Um, and, most outside of the cities uh, or most cities actually are kind of a wasteland they've run out of ga- of you know gas and there's no real way to power things and um most people now participate in life through a multiplayer uh, online game um that it, that is you know you have haptic gloves and you have a visor and it's virtual reality and um most people work in it most people do everything inside this game and um, the creator of the game, of course, is a jillionaire, and he dies without heirs. And so he leaves sort of a treasure hunt um, to uh, his. And if you win the tw- if you win the treasure hunt, you get his entire um, fortune. Um, but it's all based on his upbringing as a teen in the 1980s. So there's quests that involve every kind of 1980s video game. It's just packed with every kind of pop culture reference um possible and there is a whole chapter on rush so um which i only understood because of our rush podcast by the way i was very excited about that it, i it did me some good um but yeah i mean and in the beginning it's very there are a few there are footnotes that sort of explain some things and then as it goes on it becomes less and less footnoted and so i'm sure there's things i didn't even get but there's like lots of things where it's just sort of thrown out there as a thing and um i think a lot of those books can tend to be a little in jokey i definitely feel that way about neil gaiman let's let's i'll I'll bring him back up um you know it's sort of like elbow did you see what i did there 
Um, and I really don't feel like it's done that way. It's kind of like a love letter to um, <laughs> video games. And even if you don't love video games, it's just really, I mean, there's, I love war games. War games comes up like a hundred times. It's really great. So, um, and it's very, oh, I can't wait to read that. It's like a thriller. It's, it's just, and there's a mystery because they're trying to un- unfold this treasure hunt and you get all the clues and stuff. It's really great. Well, we'll post all of these so you can find out all about them at our website, selloutpodcast.com. And um, we should we should put show notes on Facebook or something. Yeah, maybe know. I'll do that. Um, yeah, we you can also tweet us. Oh, at- I've been on Facebook. I've been tweeting this whole podcast. Oh, awesome. You've been live tweeting? Yes. <laughs> awesome. We will also link to your Twitter. What Do, do you want to plug your Twitter name? I haven't been live, live tweeting. Tweeting. Um, I'm. I. I would, but just whoever follows me before warned that uh, I don't. I'm not very good at it. It's at Eugenia underscore Will. Um, how can you be bad at Twitter? I don't. I don't. No, usually, I mean, but I don't like, is there that. a is there a ostensible bad? Um, is there like an? It's like yes, being bad at pooping. I. <laughs> that would be good. No, I. I have embarrassed myself uh, by gushing over people <laughs> and then like taking it too far and feeling like a stalker. So you're Twitter That's... stalking people is what you're saying. Sort of. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Cause I'm like, wow, cool. I could reach out to anyone, but I'm just going to tweet at them like 10 times in a row until they get a restraining order. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. LL Cool J. I tweeted at him and he tweeted back. So that's like my, my life accomplishment basically. That's pretty great. It's made my Twitter life a game over. I I tweeted <laughs> Kai Rizdahl from uh, from Marketplace. From Marketplace, <laughs> did he reply? <laughs> I didn't do it on purpose. I forget it was it was actually a running joke <laughs> with somebody else. Uh huh. And I mentioned the fact that he was from uh, some crazy town name. It was called like like Gas City, Manitoba, or something. <laughs> And he, and, he, and he tweeted back like I am, and I and I and I took a picture of because it said so in Google. It said he gave him his profile. It said he was from this place. Man, apparently not. He's apparently, not. Apparently it's a lie. Not. Well, you correct it. You fact checked Kyra Doll. That's amazing. <laughs> also, John Roderick tweeted back at both of us mm-hmm. because of you. But that's about it. Those are I think my celebrity moments that I've been. Yeah, I don't tweet celebrities because uh, I don't either. Yeah, Mark Maron tweeted me back once. Okay. That's a near celebrity. He's a podcaster. Yeah, I mean, like, what's... Quasi-celebrity. It depends on the... Well, and also, a celebrity on Twitter might be someone who's not as celebrity-esque in real life. Right, because Twitter is its own universe. Right, right. It's true. Yeah. Thank um, God. But, <laughs> thank God. But yeah, so uh, if you if you would like a job makeover, we're, we're supplying right. those. Yeah, Send we, your resume. We, 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 we've, we've toyed with this idea of doing a live show. Like we, well, we have such an inconsistent recording time. We're right. very unpredictable. Well, yeah. I mean, if people write in, then we will do it. How That's that? right. Okay. Yeah. We'll, do a, we'll, do a, we'll do a call in. You can we'll, we'll Skype or I'll connect the cell phone to the, yeah. uh, to the thing to make it work. Yes. Oh, I, I think I have your first write in person for you. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. I yeah. So do. we can give you a job makeover. We can tell you what to do with your life, how to sell out and make a lot of money. Yeah. That's what we're good at. Yeah. Well, then, then we'll get a show on uh, weekends on CNBC. It'll be like Susie Orman. We'll exactly. Be, we'll be <laughs> just like Susie it's Orman. the morning zoo meets Susie Orman. <laughs> if, you, if you do that, you have to, you guys both have to get like super, super, super orange tans. And uh, I'm, I'm in. This is, this is radio. Power suits. How do you know we don't have super orange Yeah, right. Tans? That's true. I'm Italian. That's my birthright. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, Jenny. Thank you, Paul. 
And thank you, Jeannie. Thanks, guys.